was great, or dismissed a children's church. Thank you, Miss Helen, for leading that uh, this morning. Um, if you would turn with me to Isaiah, we'll be looking at Isaiah verses of Isaiah seven verses ten through fourteen, and also chapter nine one through seven. Um, if you turn there in your Bibles, or it's also printed there for you in the bulletin, for your convenience. Before we read God's Word, uh, again, let's, let's pray. Lord God, we, we, we pray yet again because we acknowledge that uh, we need you to, um, to shine the light, illuminate this, your Word. Holy Spirit, you inspire this to be written by the prophet Isaiah um, um, over 2,700 years ago. And um, we, uh, we, we delight that this has been preserved and kept, and but we need you now that we may hear it and understand it and apply it to life, Lord. Um, bless the hearing, the reading of your word, the hearing of your word, the preaching of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 7, verse 10. Again, the Lord, Yahweh, spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter, latter time... He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walk in, walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They receive, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior and battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. We're taking a time out from from First Peter uh, to focus on and think about Advent, to think about 
the celebration of Christ's coming. And, and last week we looked at how, with, I asked you, like, how long was this anticipated? How long have, we, have, have God's people, the faithful of God, been anticipating Christ to come? And the answer was all the way back in, in Genesis 3. That as soon as, as sin entered the world, as soon as the fall happened, God declared a curse on, yes, on the woman and on man, but also he cursed the serpent, he cursed Satan and said, you shall strike his heel, but he shall crush your head. And he's talking about the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman. And, it was a, and it's a singular, it's not just a plural seed, like just the, all God's people to collectively, but there would be one born of a woman who would overcome, who would defeat the serpent, would defeat Satan. And so you can imagine, like, that, that was, as, as, as the as sin entered the world, there was already that hope, there was already that promise that comes from God. And as they went out into the world, out of, out of the garden, and into this place where there would be thorns and thistles and struggling vocationally, relationally, God goes with them. God closed them. God's covenant promise is extended even into the broken world. And you may think that, you know, Eve and, and, and Adam, as they understood this promise, maybe they thought the first child would be it. That's wishful thinking, isn't it? And maybe the second. And maybe the third. Or maybe the next generation. Or the next. Or the next. Or the next. You know, many generations passed. And there was this, this, this guy named Noah who was born in the line of Seth, who, who was faithful to the Lord, who had favor in God's sight, who, who was righteous before God. Again, looking back, into, looking back through the lens of, of the New Testament, not because he did everything right, but because he, he trusted God. He, he leaned on Him. He trusted in His promises. And you remember that Noah passed through the... The, the, the wrath of God and, and, the, and the ark, he and his family, through a, a year-long voyage, uh, not a three-hour tour, but a year-long voyage of being in this boat with all the animals. Um, and then they, when, when, the, when the land came out and they, and they got on dry land, immediately Noah rejoices, but then he messes up. <laughs> It's clearly not Noah. Then, you know, many other generations go by. And then here's this guy, uh, Abram, who's not even a believer, who's not really living with and faithful to Yahweh, but God, Yahweh reveals himself. And you think, maybe this is, the, this is the one. No, not him either. But through his line and through his, his sons, through, through Isaac and Jacob, the promise is extended. And now we know it's going to be not just one of many, but one of this nation, one of this family is going to be the one. This is going to be the way God shows his covenant faithfulness and saves his people. But it's not Abraham, it's not Isaac, it's not Jacob, it's not even Joseph. But we keep going till we get to David. The king is established. Finally, more clarity on what God's going to do, how he's going to do it. He's going to have a greater prophet than Moses. He's going to have a greater, uh, greater uh, king than David. That's his promise we see. And, um, but again, so thousands of years go by since Genesis 3. Thousands of years. And now we come to Isaiah where, all right, we have a, we have a, 
a king on a throne that's a man after God's own heart. We have his, his lineage that's going to come after him. We have a, a nation, you know, all the, the, the covenant promises. I'm going to make you a, a mighty nation. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to be your God. All that's happening. But now, when you get to this point in Isaiah's ministry, that's fallen apart. It's crumbling away. And you again go, what, what's going on? <laughs> I thought we had this promise. And, and here, Isaiah gives, speaks hope into a very dark place. He's speaking to Ahaz, the 13th king uh, uh, after David of the, of the land of Judah. And um, this is a, a dark time. And that's my first point I want you to see. The present deep darkness over God's people will give way to the light. That's the first thing. This is spoken into a deep, dark time for God's people. Not only has a, a, an outside king, an outside nation, Syria, marched against them, but also the northern kingdom, Israel. The other tribes have marched against them. Ahaz is trying to make deals. He's not looking to the Lord. He's not trying to, he's not, look, Lord, save us. Lord, no, no confidence like, like King David when he was just a boy. And he's like, God's on our side. I don't, I'm not scared of this Goliath. No, Ahaz is not like this at all. He's making deals with other nations, with Egypt. He's, he's looking for a way out. And so you have a, the line of David is failing. The kingdom is broken. The northern kingdom is trying to, is trying to destroy the southern kingdom. It, it, it is a dark time. And if you just looked on the surface of it, you would think, is, is all that God said to, in the garden, He said to Adam and Eve, that He said to Abraham, that He said to Moses, that He said to David, is this all just falling apart and fading away? What can be done? Failed nation, failed monarchy, the enemy literally at the gates. That is where Isaiah lives. That's where Isaiah, the prophet, speaks this good word. You know, (laughs) you think about now. How many of us have confidence in our government? Confidence in the current world order as it is. Confidence in the dollar. Confidence that the U.S. will always win. And I'm not saying the U.S. is like Israel. I'm not making a one-to-one comparison. We're not Judah. We're not, it's not, this isn't, quote, the holy nation of Israel. This is where... Israel lives, as does many other countries, because the true Israel is God's people, the church. But we feel that. We feel this, just this state of unrest. And you probably have sat there after watching the news for too long, or reading the paper. Who still reads the paper? Okay. Uh, (laughs) It's not in the paper business. We'll pray for you. Anyway, uh, we'll put you on the front. But, um, I mean, have you ever just... Just the big picture panoramic shot of the world just go, is God really working? Is God really keeping His promise? But, okay, okay, macro level, but micro level, your own life. Do, do you feel like sometimes it's just the walls are closing in? All right, I, I sang the songs at church. 
I heard the promises at church. But man, I just, I don't see it. I'm struggling to see God be at work. God caring, God moving into this. God, the light of the gospel. It just all seems dark. And I'm flailing around and stumping my toe on furniture. That's what it feels like. But God, God shows up in this and speaks. Gives this beautiful, clarifying image of what he's about to do. And again, this is around 726 B.C. So I'm not saying about to in the sense of like the next day. But there's a plan and there's a promise. A, 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 a more information of what, of what God will do and how he will bring about his promise that goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. The first point is the present deep darkness over God's people is, is very real. It's there. But it will give way to the light. The second is the light will bring increase of joy through freedom and peace. I mean, we never get tired of reading Isaiah 9. I mean, I don't. <laughs> Isaiah 9, one, I mean, like, again, we think Christmas, we think, but just... This is what our, our hearts long for, isn't it? This is what, this is what we... I think, I think even unbelievers, when they hear this, they go, I want that. I need that. Because this is what we're all made for. I don't, I don't think anyone reads... Increase of joy, a joy at the harvest with plenty, uh, with with spoils, with, to be to to have everything we need and have our burdens taken off and war be done away with. No one thinks, reads that and goes, uh huh. I've heard better. No one does that. This this is this is what we're all long for, and and, and the the beautiful thing is, as Christians, we we understand that. Yes, it is, it is only something God can bring about. And He's going to bring about in His timing, in His, in His, according to His purpose, and only through this promised offspring, Jesus Christ. Look what He says. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep, deep darkness on them a light has shone. Note, note that this prophecy is in the past tense. You know, the, it first, you know the first person that heard Isaiah, I'm like, when did this happen? You know? The king didn't know what he's doing. He's seeking counsel from places he shouldn't seek it. He's, he's not faithful to the Lord. Where, where, what are you talking about? But it's so sure. Again, this is kind of a, a way prophets talk. This is you see it. You know, Paul talks about this, and um, he talks like this in, in, in Romans. He goes, you know, those, those whom he's uh, those whom he's chosen, he's called. Those whom he's called, he's justified. Those whom he's justified, he's glorified. He uses the past tense. It's it's such a sure thing. Like he's saying, this is this is real. This is going to happen. It's so going to happen. It's as though it's already happened. That's how sure this is, because God has said it. It's, it's the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. He's talking about Israel. You've increased its joy. 
They, the nation Israel, rejoice before you, God, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Like when, when it's time to bring in all the harvest from the garden, from all the, everything's ready, everything, there's plenty, there's no, there's no empty cupboard. Just, it's, it's, they're, they're celebrating like when, when a great victory has been won and all the spoils have been gathered. This is a wonderful, joyous time he's describing. And again, it's all past tense as he describes it. The light of this, this one, this one who will be born into the world, will bring joy through freedom and, and peace. Look, look, where's the freedom? Verse 4, For the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. Is on the day of Midian. It's broken. He's he's gonna saying he's gonna come and set his people free. Yeah, and, and, and right now that they're thinking about the actual oppressor at the gate. The the rod, the one who's got more who's got a bigger army, there's two armies, they're out to get them, they have the numbers, they're they they're they're gonna assert their will. Ahaz doesn't see a way out, probably most of the people don't see a way out, but God says, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna preserve you. He's going to free them from bondage and oppression, both both in that present time, and he does. Jerusalem doesn't fall to them. It's not the end of the nation at 726 B.C. Now, they would be taken to exile a few hundred years later, but not right now. He he confirmed this. He he, he came through. But not only in this, this, this present bondage, but... But he's talking also to, to all his people. He's talking to you and me. The, the, the heart of God, the heart of, of, of what he wants to do, the, this, whole, this covenant that goes back to, Gen, to Genesis 3, is about, it's, he wants to set us free from our current bondage, which is sin and death and oppression of the Satan in this, in this evil age, in this world. He sees it. He knows it. I mean, just think about this. God is acknowledging the darkness here. He's not saying, it's not that bad. He's not saying, hey, it could be worse. We do that, don't we? We talked about that in our, in our class this week. Never say to someone who's enduring a crisis and trauma, you know, it could be worse. It, it's just in your head. You have it better than most. Okay. <laughs> Don't ever say that to someone. But God doesn't say that. He knows full well the, the, the situation and the struggle and the, and, the, and the darkness and the evil in the world. It seems like Yahweh is a really good counselor. We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, He doesn't say the wrong things. Um, he cares about it. He sees it. He knows. He knows the darkness you're in right now. 
He knows the pain you feel right now. He knows the, the anguish of your soul, the anxiety you feel, the fear you feel, all the things that Justin mentioned. Like he knows it. He knows the struggles, the real struggles, the struggles at home, the struggles at work. He knows it. He knows the tension and the battles. He knows your heart struggles. He knows your besetting sins. He knows the things that you hate, the things that you, though you hate, you keep on doing. Though you want to, want to serve the Lord and you know the law and you love the law, the very things you hate, you keep on doing. He knows all of it. He knows specific to you. But I'm going to come. I'm going to, there's going to be a one born, a child, who will bring about joy through freedom, freedom from, the, from our oppressors. He will establish a peace that will endure. He talks about it will be as in the day of Midian. You know, that's an interesting reference. That's not one, that's not probably a go-to verse you have. Like, you know, like you probably don't go, man, I hope today is like the day of Midian. May your day be like the day of Midian. And looking at you, like, you must be Presbyterian. That was weird. Anyway, you know. Just say the Lord bless you and keep you. Just, let me just keep it there. What does that mean? Do you all know what happened in the day of Midian? This is, this is when God's people was, were under the, 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 the leadership of Gideon. And he was not a good leader. <laughs> he was not a... He was not strong or courageous like Joshua at all. You know? He was so reluctant. Oh, let's put out a fleece. It's wet and the ground's dry. Okay. All right, that, that happened. Let's just turn it over and try the opposite. Okay. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> you know, it's just... What, you really want me to go fight these people, God? Yes. But he's, he's patient with Gideon. But also, remember what happens. They... Does he go out with the, ar- with the army that Gideon supplies? No, he keeps dwindling the army down. You know? In a very arbitrary way. It's like who, who drinks out of their hand, who, who sticks their face in the river. Um, and that's, okay, parents, that's, moms, that's not about like good manners. That's not what that is. Don't go, don't use that. Don't do that. You're, you're misusing the text. It's completely arbitrary, but the thing is, it's like he's picking the thing that the, 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 the smallest, that the, you know, the trait that the, that the fewest of them have because he wanted to show his power. And then, do you, do you know how they win? This little group? They take lanterns that are covered up, bailed, and at the right time, the trumpet sounds and they break the clay and there are lights everywhere around the enemy. And they're like, we're surrounded! Boom! Lights! And they flee. And again, think about what he's saying. A light will shine in the darkness. And that's what he said. It's like Midian. They're going, oh yeah, that was a great, that was a great one. I remember that. It's up there with Jericho. It's like, we didn't really have to do anything. It was, not, it was totally God's victory. And God's saying, and Isaiah's saying, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that. Victory come through light, bursting onto the scene. Light breaking into the darkness. And the enemies will flee. And we know who this light is. This light is the one who will be born. The one who will come. This child, the son given. Jesus himself, the son of God. This is the light. 
that will break through the darkness. He goes on to say, God will not, he will bring victory, but, and it won't be, it won't be our doing. It'll be all him. And he talks about not only just a, a, a temporary victory like on this day, the day of Ahaz, but a, a, an eternal victory that will establish an eternal peace. If you go back a few pages to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, it says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks, Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It's not a temporary ceasefire. It's not just a, a time of, 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 of temporary peace. But he's talking about a time where no more war, no more, no more bloodshed. It's all will be undone. Joy because of freedom, freedom, an eternal freedom from sin and from the darkness of this world and also eternal peace through the victory of Jesus Christ. He became the enemy, so we didn't have to be. The present deep darkness over God's people will give way to the light. That's the first point. The light will bring an increase of joy through freedom and peace. And thirdly, and finally... The light is the promised child with a divine nature. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All these names, all these things capturing what Yahweh has been, what He has revealed Himself to be, since since Genesis three fifteen since the beginning, I mean he's I mean again this is not God's going to now start doing this. I need you to understand that this isn't like now Yahweh is going to start being these things. No, this is who He is, and we saw it in the way He dealt with Egypt through Moses, right? Counsel, showing His power, His might over His enemies and over nature itself. Establishing his people, protecting them from their enemies, giving them peace. But let's think about this in particular. What, what, what's significant about this wonderful counselor? It's going to be called wonderful and counselor. Well, think about it that Ahaz has been rejecting the counsel of God. The, the context here is that you have a king who's, who's got really bad counsel. And look into his own heart, look into other men, and look into other nations to protect him. And he's not listening to the Lord. Again, when, when the Lord says, do you want a sign? He even gets that wrong. No, I will not ask for a sign. He's like, I'm offering you a sign, man. <laughs> not only are you wearying these people, you're, are you going to weary God too? That's what Isaiah's like. He, no, he's, you're not testing him. You don't get it. No, he's, he's going to give you a sign. He loves you. We have signs here, right? He gives us... These signs, they're instituted by God. God said, I, I want to give you a sign. And I said, no, I don't need a sign. I'm like, what's wrong with you? He has a sinner like us. That's what's wrong with him. But he gets it wrong. But he says, you're not listening to me. But 
We're going to have a, a, a God's going to not only just give counsel, He's going to show up in this world. A child will be born, and He will be. He will give the wise counsel we need. Uh, maybe you and I, you, you, every day we, we're tempted to, to lean on other, our own understanding, lean on other people, lean, lean on the lies of the world. But we have a wonderful counselor in Jesus Christ. And hopefully if you're in a time of need, if, you, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, that you are getting good counsel. This doesn't mean also a bad way to, to interpret this. is like, you don't need any other counselor but Jesus. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you need to hear good counsel through the counsel of Christ, through a counselor, through a pastor. Again, that's a, just an awful way of interpreting this text. There is the counselor, but there are a lot of other counselors. There should be other counselors in your life. Small C counselors. Friends. Mentors. Your elders. We want, we, want to, we want to counsel you. We want to bring the counsel of God before you. It also says he's an eternal father, which means, again, you think about, well, he's, he's the son of God, he's the father. What, what is this conveying? It's conveying the heart of God, the heart of God. He, he will always love you. He always want, has the best interest of his children. He is, he is not just father a little bit. He's not, uh, you know, I'm going to be your father, and then, you know, when I get tired of it, I'm going to leave and maybe some of you have experienced that. You get the emphasis here? He's not just father when it's good, father when it's easy. He's not just fun dad. <laughs> He's the everlasting father. He will never leave. He will never stop. He will, ne- he will always love you and take care of you. That's who this, that's who this Savior is. And he brings peace and He establishes peace. Peace for his people. He's the prince of peace. He is peace himself. We cannot experience wholeness and fullness, shalom and life, but through Jesus Christ. He establishes it uh, because, one, he is the only, <laughs> the only perfect man who knows God and knows himself. And, and he, is, he experiences shalom in his, in his soul in a way that, that we left to ourselves can never do it. But because we're united to him, he lets us enter into that that peace with God, to feel the, that peace that surpasses understanding. And it's all because of the objective peace that He's established by dying in our place. He, he said, that God Himself said, I will go to war. I will, be the, I will be the object of wrath, of my Father's wrath, so that you would not have to be. He establishes not only subjective peace, but through His objectively dying in our place, atoning for our sins. And finally, he's the mighty God. He's, he's, he's God Almighty is going to come into the world, and that's how he can do all these things. He is, Yahweh himself is going to show up as a child. And again, as Isaiah said this, as, as the enemy is at the gate, as the king is, is, is inept, you mean God's going to show up in our midst as one of us. And Isaiah says, yes. And all the, all the things that we're struggling with and all the, all, the, all the conflict and all the darkness, he will not just kind of stand to the side and give counsel here, but what does it say? It says that, it will, that he will put it upon his shoulders. The government shall be upon his shoulders. 
in the increase of his government, of his ruling, there will be no end. He's going to take charge. He's going to do what it takes. He's going to be the, 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 prof, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king. He will see it done himself. That's, that's the hope. That's the light that's breaking into this evil age of, of Ahaz and of Isaiah's time, but also it's ours as well. And I want to end with this. Why does he do it? Why is he going to do this? Well, it's not because... Well, he made a promise, so he's stuck. He's got to, right? He's obligated. No. What does it say? The very last verse here. It says this. It says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What does that mean? What is zeal? The word for zeal means jealousy. Is jealous? God's jealous? It's bad to be jealous, right? Can be. In our sinfulness. But He is the bridegroom, and we are His bride. And He loves us. Intensely, completely, always and forever. And because He loves you fully and completely, He is jealous. In his, he, he is unwilling to share you and me and His people with another. In His jealous zeal for you and me, He will do this. He will establish peace. He will break Break the yoke, the burden that rests upon us. He will, he, will, he will defeat our enemies. He does it because he je- He's jealous over you and He loves you. We do not live, even now that the world is dark, we don't live in total darkness because Christ has come. Christ's light is emanating through the world and the hearts of His people, the church. And that's why we rejoice. We look forward to that second advent. But His first advent has happened. We celebrate it. The light has entered the world. And it's not all dark. And he is, he is the light of the gospel is in our hearts. Because He's entered in. He's entered this world to do away with, with war, with pain, with sin... He'll do it through a child, do it through the babe born in Bethlehem to Mary. That's how he will drive out the darkness. That's how he has done it. And he will see it to the end. I got, a few years ago, got a chance to go um, to uh, the uh, Andrew Peterson Lamb of God tour in Birmingham. And, and I was put on, turned on to a, another, um, another artist uh, named Andy Gullihorn. And he sang a beautiful song, and, you know, I actually bought the CD, even though it was on Spotify, I bought the CD, I'm, I'm old, I like that, I like having it. Um, but it's a beautiful song about the hurt and darkness of our world and the reality of, of the gospel, and this is, this is how it goes. I'm going to read you just two verses in the chorus. He says, what are, what are we supposed to do 
in the wake of a loss so devastating. It's getting hard to move. Paralysis sets in where hope is fading. We're not drowning in our tears. Oh, but there sure have been enough to drown in. It's hard to face the day from here when it looks like the night has surrounded. Sometimes all this pain and sadness is more than a heart can handle. But I'm sure I am tired of cursing at the darkness. I'm going to light a candle. And that's why we light these candles at Advent. We, we're reminded of that Christ has come, that our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the light who's entered the darkness has come, and we have hope in him. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises that have been kept and the coming of, of the Savior. That, that, that we, have, we are on the other side of that. And we live in, we can see your light. We can see your light through your through mission of your church. We can see your light in your, not only just in a panoramic way, but as we look left and right here in this room, we see evidence of, of the gospel breaking into other hearts. Um, we, see, we see your light in them. And we experience a, just an increase of hope and joy and peace in our own hearts as we look to you more and more, as, we, as we're trained up through suffering and through just this experiences of life to quit looking inside ourselves or looking to the world, looking to others, but looking to you. And we experience your light and we see, um, we see uh, you for who you are and see ourselves for who we are and see that you, in fact, are with us, uh, Emmanuel. We thank you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Um, it's typical for me to uh, distribute the the bread and the and the cup. Uh, since there's a flu at my house, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to stand up here um, and let our elders distribute this morning. Um, this is this is a this is a sign and seal that God that Christ has given. Um, it wasn't asked for, right? Like Ahaz, you know, it wasn't it wasn't offered in the, in, the, in the same way. But Jesus said, when, when you and He stopped in the middle of Passover and says, "I need you to realize that." What this Passover meal is pointing to, what this lamb, this atoning sacrifice is getting at, I, I'm it. I have fulfilled it. I, I am your atonement. I am the one that's been promised. I will sacrifice my body. I will shed my blood to bring about victory over sin and death. And he's also said, he goes, I'm the light of the world. As he said in John 8, he's, he's saying, I want you to remember that. Remember that. And, and take, the, you, take of this meal as often as you gather together. Do this in remembrance of me so that we would, we would know. Because why? Wow, there's so much darkness. And there's so much struggle. We need to come and stop each week and hear the gospel. We need to stop and pray daily. We need to take of the sacrament and know this is true for us, true for you. So... Uh, Christian, come and partake. Um, come be encouraged. Come be, uh, have your faith strengthened through this, this, covenant, um, this covenant sign. And if you're, not, if you're not a member in good standing at a gospel-believing, gospel-preaching church, if you're not sure where you are right now, if you if you're, haven't uh, been approved by our elders, uh, be, be a member or a, a member of some other church, uh, we ask you to, to refrain but we won't, we don't, we're not trying to exclude you. We, the, the scriptures say that you are to only eat and drink of this in a worthy manner. To not do it in an unworthy manner unless judgment come upon you. And so we're really we're trying to be careful and love you. And asking you not to partake as, as if, you're, if, you're, um, if you're not a Christian. But consider this promise. Consider that we... The truth of the gospel is Christ came to deal with sin. Not only that, to deal with all the, the darkness and the conflict and the pain. And, um, and he came. He really came. Because he loves you. Um, brothers and sisters in Christ, come and partake um, on Christ by faith.
On the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. As I'm ministering in his name, give this bread to you. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you came, that you entered into the darkness. You entered into the darkness of in the garden. And sin entered into the world. You, um, you, you persevered with your people from generation to generation. You assured that there was a, a remnant that would serve you and, and follow you. You, you. you kept them and you, and you secured them. You created a people for yourself, a nation for yourself. You gave them a land. You, you established them and then you made a promise to, again, that through one of them, a child would come born of a virgin, um, a son would come and bring about the promises from of old. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, you've done that. Encourage our hearts. Give us great assurance that you have come and great assurance that you will come again through the preaching of your word, through this time of worship, through the sacrament. And may we leave here um, feeling the, the warmth and, and of your light and, the, and to see clearly who you are and that you are at work in us and our families in our church, in this world. We give you thanks and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our final hymn, We Have a Savior.
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen.